0: Welcome to episode 62 of the process, take up space When I'm inside the booth Would you switch your change on me if you knew the truth Knowing I ain't the same person that was introduced. Thank the Lord cause I don't look like what I've been through Here's a letter to you I'm back again Jesus on that cross I had to rise again Time to get my blessings, time to get my blessings I had to live my life, I had to learn my lessons I had to keep that smile but deep inside I'm stressing Trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression It's time to tighten up I put my pride down and pick that Bible up Today we have Salone Sarai on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Salone.
1: Hello, hello. I am so excited to be here.
0: Oh, we're glad to have you. Could you tell the listeners where you're from?
1: I'm from Denver, Colorado, born and raised.
0: Born and raised in Denver, Colorado, the Rockies, mile high.
1: Yeah, (laughs) mountain girl, I guess you could say.
0: Mountain girl. So for us East Coasters over here, what was it like growing up out West or Midwest?
1: Uh, Right, right. Because when I was growing up, we really didn't consider ourselves to be West, right? Like Midwest, I think that we more so... had a lot of like the culture from the midwest here while i was growing up. Now it's kind of transformed into the west coast culture feel because we're a bigger city. But growing up here um i have to say like i hated it. <laughs> I did yeah. not like it here being black um and growing up in a predominantly white not only city but state that was really hard i always found myself being the token black girl um in most of everything that i was doing right so even if i even though i lived in a very um populated area of of blacks i still that you, you still find yourself um being one of the only ones if that makes sense right Mm -hmm. especially if you're involved so Denver wasn't a big city and it was just I always tell people it felt like brown like the feel of it was brown it wasn't welcoming in my opinion and I just couldn't wait to get out
0: Wow, I couldn't I couldn't imagine that I mean I've been to Denver maybe two or three times now and you know Aurora it just has that that vacation feel I don't know I don't know I, I'm from Florida I know a lot of people come to Florida to vacation but to me going to the mountains and seeing things that I don't see over here on this side was kind of like vacation so it's kind of interesting to hear you know your perspective yeah. going up there um you know and it's also interesting to hear at that age you know growing up and, and feeling kind of that divide because usually when I have people on the podcast they see it later on like college and you know when they go to university grow up in a black area and go to like a Florida state or something um so you know what challenges did you face um being so aware so early um in Dem- growing up in Denver
1: you know I don't want to call it aware right mm-hmm. like I want to call it um just noticing the obvious yeah and but there's nothing that I could have done about it quite honestly um you know, I was always bused Like and My parents always like bused me out to schools in different areas. And um, that was just because the area that I lived in, the schools just weren't great. So, um, and then I was in, you know, like very accelerated programs. And um, I had like really high hopes and really big dreams. And my parents had those for me too. So, like I said, I don't know if I would call it aware, but it was just painfully obvious. Mm-hmm. But it didn't bother me because that's all I knew.
0: Were you raised uh, by your parents? Did you have any siblings or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So, um, I grew up from what I felt like was completely different. From the majority of my counterparts, right? Like, I grew up with a, a two parent household. Um, my parents are still married. It's been like 35 years.
2: Wow.
1: And growing up, I didn't hear my parents argue not once. Like, I'm sure they did, right? But um, they never did it in front of me. And so I kind of grew up with this fairy tale outlook on, um, love and life and family life. But, you know, on the opposite end, my siblings, I'm the youngest of six and my siblings are all older than me, of course. So they like, I'm talking 12, 13, 14 years older. And, um, the one that's closest to age with me is he's six years older, but even still like we have different like one of us has a different dad and one of us have you know different moms so um my parents married like they were married before and then they divorced and they remarried and they had me and so i'm the only sibling from that union Wow. yeah so um i have to say that like my siblings definitely don't have the same outlook on you know life and love and you know this big happy family that that I grew up with and I really didn't realize that or understand it until maybe like three or four years ago
0: it's it's interesting we had a attorney Jasmine Johnson on a couple episodes ago and she was the oldest of six and so (laughs) you being the youngest of six you know how was that in terms of uh, like your ambition uh, to go off to college and things like that and following their footsteps or did you want to blaze your own path?
1: To be completely honest, um, you know, all of my siblings did different things. They had different paths um, and, you know, some were like a, a kind of like a straight and narrow and some were like, you know, the you've, you've seen like the photo where like the squiggly line to get the feedback. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I honestly to be quite honest, um, you know, my older brother, he was shot seven times when I was uh, 14. Wow. And so I spent my entire like, eighth grade year in the ICU um, and the hospital and rehab centers and stuff like that while he was going through that and watching my mom go through that and you know kind of watching her go through the things that she did leading up to that situation uh, I I found myself always trying to kind of compensate for what maybe um, she was lacking from him and you know like I think that Uh, I just didn't want to hurt her Mm
2: -hmm.
1: any more than she was already going what she was going through. So, um, you know, later in life I found myself kind of being like a little resentful about that because I didn't have time like I didn't feel like I was able to like make my own mistakes and feel confident about making those mistakes and sitting in it. I always felt like I was trying to be like perfect so that you know, my parents didn't have to worry about me. Mm -hmm. So that's where the ambition comes from, right? Like, I I always had really good support from my parents and, you know, people in the community. You know, people always believed in me. I was always in um, everything, like in the arts and, you know, I was classically trained since I was seven and, you know, I played instruments and I was just always in everything. But um, I think that I always had my hand in so many different pots because I didn't want to fail.
0: Mm. That, you're, you're speaking to something. I usually every episode, I find something that resonates with me or is that's relevant to my, my life experiences. Um, mm. But this time it kind of it kind of reflects what my wife went through actually. Um, she was dance captain, class president, you know, miss her high school. And her mom passed away in 2007, but she always had to hold it together. Um, And once she got to college, it kind of unraveled because it was, something was missing, you know what I mean? And I wanted to ask, at a young age, when you kind of deal with trauma, you kind of don't get to live out that youth fully or that adolescence um, fully. And once you get to an age of where you're trying to grow into a young individual, you kind of start to reveal things to yourself like, missing pieces you know did you ever have that moment um like when you something didn't work out or where where you felt like you weren't perfect and you didn't know what to do
1: oh my gosh absolutely i think um your wife and i kind of had the same experience because as soon as i got to college like first of all don't send your 17 year old to college in las vegas okay just don't (laughs) uh (laughs) i'm like what especially from a small like wow um But... As soon as I got to Vegas, it was like, okay, I'm not under a strict thumb anymore. You know, my dad doesn't have his foot on my neck. Um, You know, I can do whatever I want. I, like in high school, I didn't party. I didn't drink. I didn't do any of those things. So those things that kids had already experienced when they got to college and so they weren't really worried about it. Yeah, like that was not my case. So when I got to college, it was like, I, I'm not only am I experiencing life and like I'm in this city where it's real fast um, but you know you start discovering things about yourself like you said and it just it starts to unravel kind of like it, you're watching it in your hands it's like sand or like um, you know yeah like I would say like a block of sand that kind of just like dissipates between your fingers and you're just kind of looking at your life from the outside in. And um, it took a while, like it took a long time. I'm talking about like from the time I hit college in 2005 to um, the time I had my second baby in 2015, that's 10 years.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah, like 10 years of like hard life lessons.
0: And, and and I think those experiences like you said, like sand falling through your hands but eventually it becomes a brick and that's what you lay the foundation of your character on, you know, like this is who I am and this is who I've become because this is what I've lived through, you know, when, when you had that breakthrough moment, what did you discover about yourself?
1: I the first and foremost the thing that I really held on to was that i didn't want to be anybody else right mm-hmm. all of those years there were times where i wish that i was in other people's shoes because we just assume that they have it better or easier um and i did i figured out i said oh my god like even with the things that i've gone through i've put myself through people have put me through um i really don't want to be anybody else I- I am unapologetic about who I am and what I've been through. I'm an open book. I live to help people. And I know for a fact that the things that I've experienced have been even the worst of the worst things. I was put in that position so that I could be somebody else's saving grace or somebody else's light in the dark.
0: It's like we started this podcast um, off a kind of like something that I felt that was on my heart. You know, I kind of went through my own little struggles, if you will, with school. Um, I got my GED. Fast forward, I'm pursuing a PhD right now. And I just, I went through a lot in school and outside of school. You know what I mean? And I just feel like when we started this podcast, was because of the stories that I had and my co-hosts had. And we were like, you know what, we're not alone. You know, I bet there's other people out there with stories and I know that they want to get it off their chest and tell their story for themselves as a relief, but also to help others. And so I want to ask, you know, what advice would you give someone, you know, coming from a, a Denver or a small city and going off to college and, and trying new things? What advice would you give them to kind of, you know, steer them straight?
1: The biggest key... I would give is to never be afraid to take up space we kind of go through I think everybody goes through like these times where we don't know if um if we really like fit in I guess I guess that's a, a better you know for be- a lack of better words um if we fit in or if we um are accepted or will be accepted or If what we're doing is enough. And I just want everybody to know that if you're trying your best and you are either pursuing your purpose or trying to find your purpose, then you are definitely 100% doing enough. And then with that, you should never be afraid to take up space. You should always demand the room whenever you walk in because you are that amazing every single person and so that goes back to that self confidence that a lot of us lack or a lot of us lose within those times where we go through things and we feel like the entire world has eyes on us and I just want you to know that the people that matter the most are looking at you to see how you come out of it
0: Sometimes when we think about confidence, we think about stepping into a room and public speaking and commanding the room. But what can you speak to in terms of the confidence of standing in the mirror, you know what I'm saying, and and, and knowing like I am this person and I am, and I, and I will pursue my dream. You know, cuz sometimes we receive confirmation on how well we do from other people, but when those people aren't there, we kind of we don't have that confirmation that we're heading in the right direction. We're doing what we need to do.
1: Yeah. We totally feed off of what other people think about it. Yeah. And to get lost in that is so easy. Um, I'll tell you what I mean by that. So I, um, back in August, I finally like grew some balls and found a therapist. And she's a black therapist. And she has completely changed my life the dynamic of my life because she's helped me unpack a lot of things but mostly that one thing that you just said was the hardest part for me to get past in order to get to other things and that was affirming myself there was like i didn't realize that i did not like myself much as as well as I carry myself, as confident as I may seem to other people, as you know open as my arms may be, I just didn't like who I saw in the mirror And not that like I had done so many bad things that I was just afraid to face myself, but I think that we just uh, kind of get lost in the things that have gone wrong yeah and we don't know how to compartmentalize those things and kind of fish for what we could control versus trying to control everything or feeling like we could control everything and everything just went to shit anyway yeah okay so um my like therapist one day was like okay I don't know why you are so hard on yourself but you have to be kinder and she was like here she wrote out 10 affirmations they were really simple but they were things that I was struggling with and she was like take this list look yourself in the mirror every single day and say it out loud and she was like but you have to say it with conviction and you have to figure out like those things those you know pieces of those things that you're saying to yourself what really do you love and what is really great because you're not giving yourself enough credit.
2: Hmm.
1: And that that is our problem. We don't give ourselves enough credit. And you gotta.
0: I agree. It's like we're, we're forever moving the goalpost and when we reach the goalpost, we move it again so we can't never you know catch up. Um, it's
1: okay to, you know expect a lot of yourself. Yeah, it's okay, but it's not okay. not acknowledge your growth and your success while you are working towards something else hold on to what you've already done hold on to uh you know the good things, so that way when you move on to the next thing the bigger thing the better thing you you still have you still have what you already moved past you know
0: yeah you have something instead of feeling like you Forever reaching that next step without accomplishing anything.
1: It, absolutely, you don't. You're not starting with an with an empty cup yeah. every single time.
0: Yeah, one, one drop at a time. That makes a lot of sense. I want to take a step back to you know your transition from Denver, Colorado to Las Vegas to Nevada to go to college. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what was it like as a student, just transitioning? And you know, what was your major? What were you studying? Um, and things like that?
1: Well, I started college as a vocal performance major. I, You know, now that I think about it, and I've always kind of known, um, I should have probably went to a fine arts college, but I wanted to go to a real school (laughs) with a real um, sports team and fraternities and sororities and campus life, you know. Um, But yeah, I started as a vocal performance major. That's all I knew was music. And um, I was always a good student, always, you know, academically talented, but that wasn't my main focus. So I did that. And then, like, I'm telling you, my first after my first semester, I failed every music class Whoa. what? yeah I failed every music class because I lost my passion for it I felt like I was uh, it wasn't fun anymore the way that I had to do it um, it felt like a job or a chore and I was like screw it and I switched to a journalism major I can write my butt off so i was like okay okay i'm gonna do this and then I, I one day was like oh i don't need a degree to write i don't need that um and then i was kind of lost in the sauce and i said okay well i don't want to be in college for forever so i switched to social work because i knew that i have a heart for helping people i just didn't know how or what but I felt like that was in the right direction. So um, I switched to social work, but you know, I searched just like everybody else does. I feel like some people have that like one track mind and they know exactly what they're gonna do from like four years old and they go do it. But that wasn't me. But I think that goes back to me having my hand in a lot of pots. So, you know, and I was partying. (laughs) I I was partying hard, okay? I had like a fake ID at like 17 years old. And so I don't know if you can imagine being in Vegas where it's like the top parties in the world. And here I am, my young self from small Denver, just soaking it all in and it changed me. How? I grew up real quick. Um, when I got to Vegas, I was really green, really nice. Uh, from every point of life, like every point of life, I'm talking about, like I wasn't a hustler because I was used. To, I'm spoiled, you know. Like I didn't have to ever hustle for nothing. And um, I mean, even in college, I really didn't have to, but. Going to UNLV, it was like everybody was working two, three jobs or doing something to make some money. And going to school was like, you're going to a fashion show. So you better have your Louis purse and your Gucci belt <laughs> and all that. So I think that that was another thing. Like nobody else was really focused on school. There were so many people who started, you know, my freshman year with me who didn't even make it through the entire year. Uh, Vegas will eat you up and spit you out
0: see, I've never been to Vegas but the slogan, everyone knows the slogan in the whole nation and to go What to college, happens
1: in Vegas
0: uh, Exactly, so to go to college at what happens in Vegas University I can only imagine um,
1: Yeah, what happened in Vegas though didn't stay in Vegas because I came home pregnant Oh man so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the
0: price I was going to ask So how did, because I think a lot of students go through that. Um, Like you said, some students come in, they know what they want to do, and they they just, they're on it, you know what I mean? But some students, like myself, you know, we struggle with finding a major because we kind of, some people, I think, want to tie their passion to their major or tie their skill set to their major instead of going to college to gain skill set. How did you, you know, pick a major? You know, what was your process?
1: Well... I mean my first major it was kind of obvious like everybody knew like everybody knew me as a you know the girl who sang even on campus when I got to college like I would walk into like the cafeteria the dining commons and like people would ask me to sing at the table and you know I was really chasing that for a while like I really I really, really, really wanted to do music um, for the rest of my life, in whatever capacity. But, um, you know, with that, I think that I I would tell like an incoming college student, if it's something that you love and it's something that you want to nourish, I I don't know if I would suggest picking it as a college major. I don't. I mean, if you want to be, you know, an artist and you want to draw for a living, I mean, by all means, go to a fine arts college or whatever, if that's what you want to do. But if you're going to, you know, like a huge university, I don't know if I would pick that as my major, maybe my minor. But I think that I would leave room for that to be something that I can feel like that I can escape with and not that something I have to escape from that's where kind of like the line was drawn with me and I felt like I, I I didn't even want to go to I didn't want to go to class I didn't want to go to class I, I hated like the like the I hated going to class. I hated all of that because it felt like it wasn't feeding my passion it really really felt like a chore so I think that you know if there's something that you want to pursue further that maybe like you would be able to like even if you do a business and, and you're you know an artist on the side, save your art for yourself and you know, you can give it to the rest of the world in another way. But I don't know if I would go to college for it. Can't say that I would. It's just it's a fine line and you feel yourself becoming resentful towards it when it was the one thing that you love
0: so what did you what did you end up choosing and why
1: so i finished with you know my bachelor's in social work um like i told you you know i just have always known that whatever i'm going to do in this world is going to be helping somebody i didn't know how or what or anything like that i just knew that i had something to give and i have such a a huge heart and i love people so um i just finished you know with that bachelor's and um i like went straight into my masters and at that point i still didn't know what i wanted to do like i worked for a few years with my bachelor's like i started in, like, a little juvenile detention facility. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll go to law school. So, like, I worked for a law firm for a little bit and hated it. And then, like, you know, switched to working in um, for home health care agencies, which is kind of like where I stuck for some years. And um, just like on the administrative side and just like supervising care providers and stuff like that. And I kind of, I kind of loved it. I just didn't love to pay. Mm -hmm. And so, when I got my master's in business, um, you know, I just moved on up the food chain, and, like, I worked for... um, I was still working with, like, um, people with disabilities, helping them find jobs, but that still wasn't my calling. It was fulfilling, but it wasn't something that I felt like I could do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so... Um I was married and I you know I told my ex-husband like hey you know I want to I want to go to nursing school and he told me no So I didn't and I just like you know I got a I, I got a human resources job at Amazon and You know, I made good money and stuff. But, you know, I liked it for a minute, but it still wasn't what I wanted to do. So I divorced him. And once the divorce was complete and I kind of, like, sifted through my stuff and figured my life out and got it all together, I said, you know what? Like, I can't get this out of my head. I'm going to nursing school. So here I am, 32 years old, and I'm in the middle of my first year of nursing school.
0: I want to, if you're comfortable talking about it, you know, how was that going from, you know, being married and kind of that collective compromise of you know, every decision that you make you know, is a conversation you know, until you know, now you're making decisions kind of on your own, you know, for the for as you feel is best for you I
1: don't know, my situation was different and um, I felt like in that situation I was making all the decisions yeah. and so with that like you know the only reason why he was able to tell me no was because I needed help with the kids yeah. so you know it's like if I'm not getting that, that that help you know like there's no way that I'm gonna be like oh okay well I'm gonna do it anyway like it just didn't make sense like, I had a mortgage and big girl bills and, you know, two children and one I had just had. And um, it, I just said, OK, you know, like, what else, what else can I do? But I knew from that point that was the turning point in my adult life and in that relationship where I said, you know what? Welp. <laughs> <laughs> um this isn't gonna work and you know all the other things that happen to lead up to that which made me not want to be in that relationship anymore but i think like hands down when you you know you're so supportive of your partner and you know you give 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 to support their dreams and you know um you know even when the return is minimal And, you know, when it's time where you want to pursue something you want to pursue and they're not budging or they don't want you to do it or, you know, I don't know what the situation is. A lot of people like sometimes I find that folks are jealous of their partners and, you know, and jealous of maybe the success that that they that they're capable of. Mm. And, you know, I'll just come right out and say, it. you know, like my my light was dim. Yeah. And, and I'm not okay with that. So, um, I made the necessary moves to get up out of it so that I could shine. And I don't want to use my, you know, I don't want to use my light as a spotlight. You know, like, I'm using my light as a flashlight so yeah. that other people can see and be like, oh, she did that. Like, she was able to do that. She was able to get through that. Well, I can't
0: just thinking about that compromise and not being able to budge back man that that would end everything i can see you know what i mean like my wife just graduated law school and i'm doing a phd right now and we have two boys and it's crazy you know what i mean it gets mm-hmm. crazy and, and when you don't have that support i man <laughs> i can tell you yeah so you did, you yeah. did it yeah right you know what i mean you did what was best for you.
1: <laughs> I do think I did the right thing like going through a divorce especially nobody gets married with the like end result wanting it wanting to be a divorce like nobody does that but, um, and that was hard for me too. Like, I didn't come from a divorced family. I wanted my kids to have, you know, their family together and, you know, yada, yada. But when it came down to it, I was so unhappy. And for my girls, like, I have two daughters. And the worst thing I could do is to show them that it's okay to to stay miserable in a relationship that's not feeding you mm.
2: yeah. so
1: if it's not feeding you you gotta walk away and that's that's platonic that's you know um, romantic that's business any type of partnership if you're not being fed then you have to you know you yeah. gotta look at things you gotta look
0: at things Ooh, yeah you do you do I mean yeah. we're like plants you know if you're not getting the proper nutrients man you're just gonna wilt you know what I mean mm-hmm. you gotta continue to be nurtured and watered as you do the same for others. Um, I totally agree. So, how has it been, you know, raising two daughters and going through nursing school? Woo! Zero
1: out of ten. Do not recommend. Do not recommend. recommend. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Like, um, it actually you know i feel like i have the best kids could be biased you know but um they are so understanding they are so understanding as much as kids can possibly be right but you know my 10 year old she's walked with me through every storm like she's got it out the mud with me and um you know, that's from like having her as a single mom before, and then like marrying her dad, and then going through that storm, and then getting divorced. And then oh, she has just been right there with me. And so, as a ch- like, for a child to be that concerned with their mother's success is paramount but not everybody has that right and so um and my youngest she is just so compassionate and caring and she's four and she's like okay mom like you gotta study like okay all right well i'll go i'll go straight to bed tonight you know and so it's those little things but we get through it together and my school does not take precedence over my parenting um, my my parenting takes precedence over my school but I make them both work so right now I'm a straight A student and I don't know you know I don't know how I'm doing it I'm not working right now um, I'm not working a job but I did like start a little like quarantine business and it's booming actually but um, before that I wasn't I wasn't working, I just saved up a whole bunch of money from my um, old job and I hit the ground running.
0: I kind of see a parallel, tell me if I'm wrong, but this is something I kind of picked up with you telling your story. You know, it's kind of like a two part question. The first part is, for anyone out there that has been through a divorce and now has like sole custody of the kids, like what kind of conversation do you have with your kids? And once you know once that separation happens and also going back to your story when you were growing up you know trying to be perfect and there for your parent you know how have you you know combated that or have you have you had to with your daughter and her trying to do that for you
1: yeah wow (laughs) whoa yeah you hit it right on hit the nail on the head she (laughs) definitely um is a pleaser Right, probably way more than, than I was. But I think it's because she just wants everybody to that she wants everybody to be happy. Like everybody that she comes across. Like she wants everybody to be happy and at peace. And I think it's because she has experienced that turmoil, right? Where like she saw I feel like I feel like she saw too much for a child. Um, at a really young age and I carry guilt behind that but she never makes me feel guilty she doesn't talk about it and but it's so effortless it feels so effortless for her and like her accomplishments and what she does and how she carries herself it's like she she's not even trying it's just that's just who she is mm-hmm and um but you're right and so i i often have to remind her that it's okay to not be perfect that nobody in this world is perfect and everybody makes mistakes and um the biggest thing that we can do if we make a mistake is to apologize for it and make it right and but even when i was getting my divorce you know she I was on the way to the courthouse and I was dropping her to a friend and um when I was getting her out of the car, she said to me, She was like, Mom, I hope that this divorce makes you happy. Well. Yeah. And I just was like, Are you seven? What? <laughs> Um, so yeah, she was seven at the time and she just saw everything. So I I do think that she has a little bit of that wanting to overachieve so that I don't have anything else to worry about. And um, I'm happy that you said that because sometimes we really don't connect those dots.
0: Just looking back over your life and everything that you've been through so far, you know, what advice would you give your younger self
1: I would say, leave them big head boys alone. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I would definitely tell my younger self that nothing is a race in life. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And um, so you don't have to be impatient with yourself. You're gonna make it through. You're gonna, you know, get to a point where you're successful. You're gonna be happy. Don't worry about any of that, and just be just be patient with yourself. Let yourself grow, and never be afraid to ask for help. Because I am still bad at that, but everybody needs a little help sometimes. So never be afraid to ask for help or be afraid to accept the help that somebody is
0: offering to you. You know, looking back over your life um, and through all the different phases that you've been through, uh, what does trust the process mean to you?
1: Whenever somebody says trust the process, it, feels, it sounds so cliche because it's used so much. Yeah. But... Trusting the process, to me, means being fearless in your pursuit. So, whatever it is that you are passionately pursuing. Someone I really respect recently asked me if I am outcome-driven or am I process-driven. And I have to admit that for the longest time, I was outcome-driven, you know, keeping my eye on the prize. But really, after you've reached the outcome and haven't appreciated the process to get there, what have you gained besides the actual goal? Mm. So the process teaches us so many more lessons, including patience, delayed gratification, and that there is more than one way to skin a cat. So what it takes to actually achieve something, it makes the end goal much sweeter.
0: I agree. I just want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and just, you know, revealing those intimate moments and phases of your life and being so transparent with us. Um, Do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners?
1: I think the only thing I would say is make sure that whatever you're giving to the world it's something that people will take with them always, that they can carry with them, that you are not only helping yourself but you're helping somebody else and you know never be afraid to do that because I'm telling you somebody else needs you and everything that you've been through up to this point is to prepare you for what you're dealing with right now and I think that that is so profound
0: so where can the listeners you know reach out to you um, once they listen to your episode and they might want to know review or reach out just for motivation you know where can they yeah. find you
1: <clears throat> so i um i started like kind of like a nursing blog page instagram page um that kind of does have a little bit of those deeper details of of um what i've gone through or what i'm going through or um motivation and that's becoming nurse low becoming mm-hmm. nurse low lo on instagram this episode was brought to you by overcome achieve clothing allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge wear your truth overcome
0: Channing, trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave not only on the industry but the effect that I want to leave on people being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through, and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.